Welcome to the Micro Niche Mastery Podcast, where we help you establish yourself in the perfect micro niche so you will get noticed and grow your business faster. And now your host. He wrote his first long-form copy at the age of 16 and hasn't stopped writing since. Zeev Raviv. Hello and welcome back to the Micro Niche Mastery Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 1. I'm meeting now Isaac Daly, all the way from Brisbane, Australia. And he is the podcaster behind the brand, The Noob Sparrow Podcast. Hello, Isaac. How are you? G'day, Zev. I'm awesome, man. Thanks for inviting me. I love your energy. Thank you. And you chose to create uh, this side hustle that is now forming a business uh, these days and is making money, like significant money. And it's in a very micro niche. Noob Sparrow, what is the actual meaning of these words? Uh, noob is like borrowed from gaming, which I, I think originally borrowed it from the military, which means uh, a newbie. You know, like a person who's brand new at something, they know nothing. And there's obviously some stigma attached to being a noob. And Spiro is short for a spearfisher, a person that loves spearfishing, uh, freedive spearfishing in particular. So holding your breath, diving down and shooting fish, bringing them home, cooking them up, feeding your family, basically. And that's something that just spearfishing, right? It's so visual. Mm. It's so specific. It's like mm. there's... How many ways are there in fishing that are not spear fishing? There's like, there must be 20 different types of line angling. There's lures, there's jigs, there's soft plastics, there's, you know, there's all these different types of bait fishing and spinning and spear fishing is relatively simple. There's only really two ways to do it. You can do it with a Hawaiian sling or you can do it with a spear gun. Uh, spear guns are generally powered by rubber bands, a little bit like a slingshot, but sort of crossed with a crossbow. And then, but Kind of not as well. And then, yeah, a pole spear is similar, but you pull like an elastic band and you hold the spear in your hand and it's a single length, whereas a spear gun shoots a steel shaft into the fish and it's sort of tethered to the gun. So uh, yeah. it's like uh, it's the underwater crossbow podcast. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, we can do that. Yep. Kind of. There's hunting stigma attached to crossbows as well, though. Like people that use a longbow when they hunt on land really dislike crossbows it's like a form of cheating so i think spearfishing doesn't want to be associated with crossbows either so but in either way I, I get it well it's like you sparrows guys yeah. you like to use the spear manually yeah. you like to, to make the hunting of the fish with the spear uh, by yourself with your hands and so when you decide to fish fishes with spears like I'm not sure is there a verb for that? Spear? Yeah. To spear. Yeah, yeah spear. So you when you spear yeah. fishes, do you usually also do other things to fish? Or is it like a group of people that insist on only doing the spear way? Now lots of people that spearfish, they go surfing and kite surfing and they, they might fish with a line or a rod as well. A lot of most spearfishing people are just they love the water. In particular, we love getting in it and getting holding your breath and going down in it and hunting and finding a fish and stuff. But it can be used in combination with a whole bunch of other sports as well, just generally people that love the water and fish. How many years have you been uh, spearfishing before you started the podcast? Before I started the podcast, probably only like three or four years. So, but the podcast has been going seven years now, so it's, it's quite a long time. 
So you started the podcast before you started spearfishing? No, sorry. I've been spearfishing 11 years total now. Oh. And the oh, okay. podcast has been going for seven. Okay, okay. Uh, that was, yeah. That's clear. So what are some of the responses you got from the podcast? Oh, people love it. Like, it can be quite a risky sport, so saved people's lives. I was just reading an email before from a guy. We did an episode about how to deal with sharks. In different parts of the world, sharks can be quite prevalent, and learning how to manage them to the best of your ability is definitely some skills. So we did an episode just focusing on how to deal with sharks, and this guy sent me an email just saying, hey, I used some of your tips and you know, helped me fend off some sharks and scare a couple away. And you know, and he, and he was really grateful and he didn't stop the problem that he had some problems with them, but um, he was grateful that he had listened to the episode and learned a couple of chips and tricks. And that happens pretty often now, like because we've been going so long, like a lot of people just have listened to it over years and the content just continues to be downloaded forever. So it's awesome. How many episodes did you produce in the podcast? So far, 160, I think. Right. Do you go straight uh, like weekly for a, a while, for a season? It's bi-weekly for the most part, but I've tried to be fairly consistent. But every now and then, I might be able to do one a week for a month, and then but then it falls back to bi-weekly. And my Patreon pays like per episode, so I don't want to make them pay too much if I drop too many episodes as well. But I, I'm quite clear and upfront about how the Patreon membership works. So how many years did you, like at what point did you open up the Patreon? Probably only three or four years ago. So. Hmm. Maybe not even that, maybe only three years ago. Patreon's a, a good source of income. I use the money to predominantly fund trips where I get to go to different parts of the country and world and go spearfishing and just hang out with listeners and do live interviews. So nearly all of the money that I raise through Patreon is used for that purpose. And that's kind of the value proposition to the audience. It's like they want to support me and you know, like I get to come out and meet some of them and go spearfishing with them. So it's kind of the part of the value proposition because... I don't offer a lot of extra benefits to the people that are Patreons, to be honest. So uh, basically, by creating this micro-niche show, you got to meet people that appreciate you and that you saved their lives, honestly. And they fly you around and get you to enjoy your hobby and your sport. Oh, yeah, 100%. But you're also working on some uh, money-making stuff for this. So can you tell me a little bit about your plans and what you do, except for the Patreon? Okay, cool. So the first serious money-making initiative was we decided to... I had an originally, I had a co-host that I invited onto the show with me. We did more or less the first 100 episodes together. And we wrote a book together called 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. And we just... A lot of the book is just tips that we learned in the first 40 interviews we did on the podcast. And then we turned that into a book. We got it graphically illustrated and then it went up as an ebook on Amazon. Then we did it full whole hog and, and raised $15,000 on Kickstarter and, and sold a whole bunch of copies. And it was pretty cool. And then uh, we did another book and that's on Amazon too now. I've got a third book that I'm working on right now. It's hopefully going to be live by the end of the year. But books are kind of a low ticket, low value item. They, they do increase your authority and your visibility and they deliver people a lot of value, but they're not really a high ticket item. So they don't deliver a, a hell of a lot of income, to be honest. They're great for building community and your audience and all that. But uh, not really a significant revenue earner. In the background at the moment, I'm currently building a, a video course offering. So that will be a lot more comprehensive. Hopefully, obviously, raise some... It should solve bigger problems for people. Therefore, they'll be willing to pay a bit more money. So that's... But also a lot of work involved. So yeah. Yeah. 
And do you have a, like any timeline for the launch of the course? No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> the next book is kind of taken front and center. And I, like, you know, there's that old saying, like the man who chases two rabbits catches none. Like, so I'm, I'm kind of focusing on this next book. The project timeline for the video course is probably somewhere around the middle of next year. Uh, the other thing I do probably for revenue is um, sponsors on the podcast, which also help to keep, pay the bills. So I've got, I think, 10 sponsors I've got in various different arrangements. So yeah. Wow. And those sponsors, they contacted you to promote or did you contact them? No, I've contacted nearly all of them, I think. People have started contacting me now, but the problem is, is that like, you can only really have one sponsor from a certain type of business. Otherwise, you're, you're potentially allowing their competition onto the podcast as well. So you can only really sell a certain amount of space. And it's quite a lot of real estate on your podcast. So I've really only partnered with people that I really like and businesses that I actually believe in and, and shop with myself. So yeah, so I've, I've mostly approached them, to be honest. Do you sometimes get uh, products that you need to review or something like that? Yeah, I get sent products. I get sent stuff. A lot of the time, I prefer it if people just send me stuff with no strings attached. I don't get out and do enough spearfishing to be a serious product review guy. And they take so much effort like this. Like doing product reviews is an art into itself. And it's a skill set all of itself. You've got to be good. And it seems like YouTube's probably the best platform for that. So are all of your episodes include an interview? No, no, I've done like documentary style ones, which is more like the NPR style ones, but it's a lot more work and editing and all the rest of it and a lot more complexity and moving parts, but generally mostly interview podcasts, yep. Do you get any help with audio editing or with the website? I do. I've got, I've outsourced nearly, I've, well, I've outsourced all of my audio production. I have a pipeline. I train interns now. I have a training suite now, an audio training suite, but I have a couple of professional editors and I've got another guy publishes episodes now for me and does my show notes. I've got a virtual assistant that helps with my website. So there's the, there's a team because I have a full-time job as well. And yeah, so, yep. Yeah, sweet. Do you also uh, collect uh, people's email addresses? when they? Yeah, I do. How many emails do you have in your list? I built it out to, I think, just shy of 2,000 before I went through and had a big cull because I was using MailChimp and they charge over 2,000. And when you're not getting a high enough open rate out of them, and because I wasn't delivering consistent enough emails and MailChimp seems to have a real terrible open native open rate in general, just due to the way the Gmail and I think Outlook sort of their algorithm processes MailChimp newsletters. I'm not a big fan of them, even though it's free and I, I love their service. That it just I don't know if it's a great thing. So I'm, I think I'm back down to 1,100 emails, but the open rate's somewhere around 50% and the click-through rate's probably around 15%. So like it's a very, very active email list because I've culled it so diligently. But having said that, it should be probably a lot bigger for where I am. Well, sometimes it's better to have a smaller list that is very active. Uh, my, I did my first launch of an online course on an email list of 400 people. Wow. And it generated $11,000 on the wow. first launch. So uh, your email list is, is great. And yeah, I mean, are these people from all around the world? Yeah, they are. But predominantly, they sort of match my... A podcast listenership. So I, I host through Lips and the stats are really good. And it's predominantly probably, it was nearly like 38%, 38% USA and, and Australian listeners. But 
UK and, uh, and New Zealand have grown and Australian listeners now make up 45% and Americans are probably like 32, 33%, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Those are the, the main countries for podcasters that are in English that, that most of the people come from there indeed. So what is your vision for the Noob Spiro podcast from your standpoint? The vision's never really changed. Like there's a lot, of, like it's really difficult to learn. There's so many obstacles to overcome and it's quite a risky sport. So always about saving lives, you know, like helping people to do it more safely, more effectively, but also to use the resource more intentionally and more sustainably. Like think about how, you know, spearfishing is probably the most selective form of fishing because you only take what you want. So it's just a matter of informing people about growth rates of fish and how prolific they are, their breeding cycles, and and just being aware of that. Being like, um, I think most hunters are conservationists at heart, and so really, just bringing out that mature mindset and people that are learning spearfishing from the start, and you know, just growing the community and making it a better place for everyone. I guess that's a big vision. Love it. Do you have any like aspirations one day to make this into your main source of income or something of that sort? Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> I am. I'm quite serious about this video course doing it for me. And I'm possibly looking at early to next year going part-time in my work because at the moment I work 50 or 60 hours a week in my normal job and then the podcast on top of it. So if I could scale that back and just work 24, 36 hours a week at work, and then I'd have a lot more time and energy to work on Noob Sparrow. And it's a lot, it's very rewarding, like um, building your own thing. I love looking behind me and seeing a track record of, you know, like, Sometimes making content is like such hard work, but when you look behind you, yeah, sometimes you look at the stuff you, when you made, when you started and it's not that good, but it, you, everyone starts somewhere. And like, I've left a huge trail of, of awesome stuff behind me. Like, and I'm proud of that. Yeah. I, I haven't always been perfect, but like, it's a good legacy. feels good. I can totally relate to that. You went into a niche, a micro niche, and you just listened to the problems and started to solve them one episode at a time and one resource at a time, and you get to the point where suddenly people contact you and tell you, hey, you saved my life. And it's all about the details. It's all about the fact that every single niche has so many problems that are unique to that niche. So you just yeah. go in and you solve them. It's so simple and pure of heart. Oh, uh, it, yeah. This is so cool. You are progressing uh, organically. You're growing. You're learning. How long did it take you before you started to delegate and have a team? Well, I don't want to talk too disparagingly about my former co-host, but unfortunately, like, made some partnership issues. And so I almost couldn't pay myself a wage out of some of the income that was coming. So, but I could really pay it to other people. Probably two years ago, I started, to be honest, episode 19, we started with an intern audio producer and we trained him up, but he was very good. And I think by the time he had done 10 or 15 episodes for us, we'd started to pay him a pathetic sum of money. money. But over the years and, and over the episodes, it's progressed to now where he's paying, being paid probably what he should be. And so that's been awesome. I've brought a VA on about 12 or 18 months ago, and she's just been a lifesaver. And, and I've got another guy now who started as an intern for me, helping to run social media because social media is just a giant thing, you know, and it's sometimes you've just got too many hats to wear and he came on three months ago. So now I've got three people helping me in various ways. That's amazing. And how do you find them, your online helpers? Oh, I love them. <laughs> uh, look, how do you find them though? How do you find them? Where did you find them? Oh, how them? did I find them? 
oh, all awkward stories, I guess. I put together an internship advert to the local like uh, media schools because there's too many people graduating from these media academies where they learn like high definition film production and audio production and they never get to use it in an actual context. So basically we were just trying to help these people build out and give them resume experience while we got some help with our audio. And over time I've built like a training suite so they actually get proper training now. The first guy, he didn't really get any. Um, he was more or less self-taught and he just came on board and, and helped me really build out what I've got now. And I was able to do that with social media and, and using some of the other systems as well with a recent intern who I now pay. And he started off, I just put out a call through my own community and he's a young spear fisherman in South Africa in Cape Town and shout out to Brandon. And he came on uh, as an intern for three months and then after which we negotiated some paid work and, and away he's gone. My virtual assistant was a friend of mine who was moving overseas. Uh, she was managing an English school here. She moved overseas to move into virtual work. And she's just so capable and talented. I initially started offering her a minimal amount of work just to help her start her virtual work practice, but also to give me a hand and get some stuff. And she was so helpful that I've just offloaded more and more and more tasks. To, and now she does like, I think, 20, 30 hours a month for me. So how, how awesome is that? Well, thank you. This is all we have time for today. This has been great. Isaac Daly, where can people go and hear your podcast and learn more about you? Noobspero.com, N-O-O-B-S-P-E-A-R-O.com. And yeah, enjoy it, if you, especially if you're interested in spearfishing. I think you'll like it. And we'll put a link for that in the show notes. Thank you so much. See you guys next week in the Micro and Mish Mastery Podcast. This show was brought to you by dailycookie.co where you can finally feel supported. Daily email love, now delegatable. Visit dailycookie.co for a collection of free resources on how to use copywriting and daily emails to grow your micro-niche business today.